I'm Keith. And I'm Emmeline. And you're listening to the Creative Education Podcast. Joining us today is Lewis Cato. In addition to being a graphic designer and brass player, Lewis is the Music Development Coordinator for Aberdeen Performing Arts. Well, thank you very much, Lewis, for joining us for the Creative Education Podcast. I know you've been very busy having your choir and things just before you have got here, so we really appreciate your time. Um, And I wondered if you would like to introduce yourself and just um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Yes, so uh, my name is Lewis, um, Lewis Cato. I am the uh, Music Development Coordinator at Aberdeen Performing Arts. Um, And I suppose there's quite a lot involved in that. There's a lot before lockdown, we've kind of chilled out a little bit obviously with with the latest stuff but um day to day that we didn't that's been part of the creative learning team so we um run classes and we try we um are looking to inspire people to to get involved in the creative arts be that music be that drama um and just to try and inspire the next generation of artists really um so um from my particular role that looks at and um, we've got loads of different um different classes that we run so we've got anything from babies running i think actually we start with music hall babies and um, taking it through imagine and um, mini maestros goes up and um, through project band which is a class for um those aged let me get this right because it's been a while since i've said it is <laughs> um, from schools who are learning drums bass basically any band that they, any instrument they can take into a band to give them that foot up in the music industry and give them that exposure okay. to things that they might not otherwise um have um and then we, we that goes up through choirs to older age and so basically i think we, we range from like zero right the way up to think the oldest person is probably close to the 90s so it's a oh, it's massive age range brilliant. Yeah. To work with. really good yeah and so yeah. what what um it would be really interesting if you give us a little bit of background about what APA is because obviously if you're not from Aberdeen we're both obviously really familiar with what APA is and and what it does and um if you're not from here you won't be so if you give us a little overview of you know some of the kinds of venues that you work within and some of the the um things that you provide from that point of view across a wider range not just across the education bit yeah so aberdeen performing arts is primarily it, it's um the uh, organization that runs three venues in the city so we've got the music hall on union street and um, we've got his majesty's theater and then there's the lemon tree. So across the three of those, you could have performances ranging from, from theatre to um, just uh, having an orchestra on stage in the music hall, having, um, I think, Scouting for Girls is supposed to be coming back in, next year to lemon tree. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's a wide range, but it's primarily a performing, there's the venues for performing in the city, and then we've got all the other bits. So. Um, because yeah. you work, as far as I understand, you work quite closely with a lot of amateur dramatic groups and stuff as well who also use all those venues. Because I've definitely 
being involved in performances here or there that that have like you know on the sidelines these other things going on so you become this little catalyst for everything happening around you essentially don't you yeah it's great um it's great to be involved in loads of different things across the city um yeah loads of stuff going on so how did your journey to music personally begin i think that's where where we should yes. start yes yeah that's a great question um <laughs> so uh my family how there's been i suppose musicians in my family for as, as far back as i can really stretch in terms of like <laughs> digging through the family tree and that really comes from like from the salvation army um side, side of things so both my granddad my uh, my dad were both brass players so um, naturally, I decided I wanted to play a brass, in, a nice shiny brass instrument. <laughs> so I picked up the euphonium at age nine, maybe, um, in primary school, and um, I suppose they could say the rest is history. Yes, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, so yeah, I suppose that that's where that's where it comes from. A history, history in brass, in it, brass and vocal, because the other side of it is so my granddad and my dad and sort of the obviously back in the day it was really like male people did brass and um mm-hmm. did vocals although there's there's that okay. was, that's a big, quite a big stereotype because there's yeah. obviously male vocals in there as well so most of the female side of my family all sang and most of the male family male side all played brass so i've kind of it, it, it was basically um it was assumed that i would do something music so i've kind of picked up brass and vocal um through that which has been great so was that um was that your choice or did you did you pick it up because it was around you or did you feel like you were pushed in that direction no i think it was definitely because it was around me um i think going to gigs brass band gigs from the moment i was born um it just Mm -hmm. became part of my blood really my dna just to, to to be wanting to be around music all the time and wanting to do to do more and more with it and as i've got older i've just kind of gone in different directions and tried different things um yeah just learning different things from picking up guitar to doing um similar kinds of bands that we would do in project band um doing things like that and um, singing leading leading bands that way leading smaller vocal groups and then when i started at aberdeen performing arts leading a 90 strong choir which i never thought saw myself doing but it's been great fun and and good way to 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 um just be, be creative in how we do that and, and in inspiring other people to sing and to to make music Brilliant. the singing thing's great and i i'm in a similar position to you um ran a choir for a while and absolutely never thought I would be doing that. I'm a drummer. Like, choir is scary. There are tuned <laughs> notes <laughs> and harmonies. That's a lot. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I conducted for a choir for a while. And the the joy that that brings to people, mm. you know, the, the change that it has physically, I think, and mentally is just incredible. And, you know, I'm, our choir was 30 or 40 people. I can only imagine leading one that's, that's 90. 90 people. And the, the harmonies you can make with 90 people are incredible. Surely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Lewis, have you still been running it during lockdown? Is that what you're... Um, yeah, so when we started lockdown, we carried on with Choir Online. Um, and 
so that was good. I think we did we did about a month and a half of community choir online, which was great fun. Oh, and our man. other our other choir, Two E Voices. Um, so we did we ran both of them for a month and a half, and then um, I was put on furlough, which is um, to be expected, kind of. And yeah. Um, and then just in the last month, we've started we've we started doing more, getting the choir together, singing some Christmas songs, singing the, some of the stuff that they loved singing before. Um, and it's been great to see them all, and you can tell they 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 missed it, and they absolutely love being part of it again. So it's good. Oh, there's a big community aspect to that too, isn't there? I remember, you know, when I was when I was doing the, the choir stuff, um, you know, part part of it's about singing, but a lot of it is about getting together with a like-minded group of people and experiencing something together. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and then it, I, I think that's one of the things about about a community choir as well. I mean, we get people yeah. from all walks of life there. People who mm-hmm. probably, and um, there is a lot of people who have not re- have not ever sung. There's loads of people who can't read music, and um, yeah. and but then on the other side of that, you've got people that have been involved in choirs all their life, and people who read music and want to do music. And I think that the beauty of that is how is that is is just the fusion of 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 that and the fusion of mm-hmm. people coming into that and learning off of each other and taking enjoyment from that. Um, you 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 just get the buzz from them, and yes. it's great. I know everyone will be same. bringing something different to the group yeah. as well in that way. Yes, you've got, exactly. and everybody helping each other to make it more of a, mm-hmm, a community aspect to the group. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so where, lovely. where do you start with a choir if you're starting with a group of people who have either never sung or never sung together with other people? Like if we're, you know, if you're, if someone's sitting in a school right now with a class thinking, okay, I'm going to turn my class into a little choir where do you start <laughs> where do you start well to be honest the very first place you start is something that people will know really well and you get them singing like this is how i do it with the with community choirs i try and get it so that they can sing the melody once they know the melody then you can start introducing other parts and and some of them won't want to do want, want to sing the other parts they just want to sing the melody and that's okay and mm-hmm. um, but then being able to teach them that and um, there's a sense of achievement that they get from getting to the mm-hmm. other side of that. But I, I never thought I'd be able to do that. And it, it's amazing when you see that. And I suppose if you, if, you, if you really want to try and help them learn more, one of the biggest aids and something I, I cannot recommend highly enough is actually recording the parts so they can listen to them at home. Yeah. It seems really simple, but it makes such a difference for them being able to come, come the, next, the next week or wherever. And, and, and they know okay, that's my part, I've listened to that, I know it. And then yes. you sing it. I know, Absolutely. and then such a joy to share it. Such a mm. joy then to sing it with everyone else if you've been listening to it all week and suddenly yeah. you've got 89 other people around you and you're like, oh, this is... <laughs> I know that we've all probably felt that, that just elation from singing and being part of a group with everyone else, yeah. Our choir used to do um, this thing, which I loved when they did it, they would um, clump is what they would call it. So if someone in the group, if someone in the altos had finally got the alto line, they would do this (laughs) clump where everyone like rushed around next to them, huddled around like penguins so that they didn't have to like be put off by the other part. So we used to do this thing where we would send clumps to different bits of the room so that they could clump away and and get it right without being put off by what was going on around them. It's brilliant when you see a whole group of um, women in their... 40s or 50s behaving like children because they're so excited it's yes. just it's fantastic <laughs> oh, or like penguins 
<laughs> or like penguins, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The benefits of singing, I think, are um, are so incredible and they're definitely more well known than they, they were. And you, you must have that that dialogue with your choir where, where people are telling you how it makes them feel or how it's brightened their week. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, so even after going back to the to doing the choir after after being off for seven months, the after the first session, which like in my own perfectionist mindset, going, oh, that was rubbish, that wasn't very good. I then got emails back from people saying, oh, that was so good, that was amazing to be part of that. It was so good. I felt so so happy after it, it made me feel so much better. And I think that's what it's all about. I like being somebody mm-hmm. that 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 knows what I want things to sound like and how I want things to go. Um, I can I can put myself down with that, but actually, when you remember when you're remembering and taking yourself a, a step back and going, actually, um, as long as the people that are coming actually get the benefit from this, it really doesn't matter a whole great deal if it sounds like the most professional thing in the world, or if it or, or if it doesn't, because actually the point of doing it is to help pe- help people to feel like they are. Um, being fulfilled by it and and get and getting joy out of it. Yeah, and then it's definitely. Job. Mm-hmm. And I probably you probably find it's the other thing is other way round that the choir members are thinking, oh that wasn't very good or maybe I didn't sing that right. But you'll be so enthusiastic and it's it's working in that reciprocal way that then they think, oh yeah, no that was good and I did do my best yeah. and yeah, it works both ways probably, boosting their self esteem as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I've got to be honest. I've missed being able to do this stuff in person, where you can, where you bounce off the room and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so different. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable amounts of difference. And I think one of the things that I I found has helped the choir a lot in being able to sing things well and being able to feel like they are doing a great job with their singing is actually being able to build build backing tracks that I can put on, so that actually they feel yeah. like they're singing with another part that's that's their part. Yes. Um, yeah. It just helps them to know to feel a bit more comfortable in their singing and know where they're meant to be. Yes, definitely, and just gives it Will that you... extra layer, doesn't it? Yeah. Just to help, yes, push things on. Mm-hmm. We used to um, we used to have this this experience with the choir where um, if somebody had suddenly got a really hard part, the sopranos had suddenly hit this amazing note. You'd want to keep going and keep singing, but you couldn't because the autos were too busy applauding to remember to come in with their part. And it's that bit that you—it's not quite the same when you're trying to do it digitally because it's not—it's mm-hmm. not as easy to do that stuff and to play off each other and feel the energy, I suppose. No. Yeah. And they wouldn't have been able to do their clumping either digitally. <laughs> yes. Digital clumping. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think that's the same with music as a whole, isn't it? And you, you must have experienced that yourself when you're when you're talking about the other projects. You know, when you're you're watching the kids come together as a band, you must see that same experience. Yeah, um, absolutely. We've seen um, so many uh, changes in characters just by how people have um, experienced not just playing music and learning music well, but actually experienced friendship within that and finding people who. Um, get where they're at and get and are, and are doing the same thing so they are wanting to achieve mm-hmm. the same thing they're wanting to, to take part in the same stuff i mean i i remember when i started um th- there was a there was a a, a, um, a guy in project band who was just 
like he didn't speak very much. He would always look at his look at his feet. And then the very the last showcase at the end of the year, he was like um, probably the loudest character in the room. Like he made sure everyone knew he was there. And it's just mm-hmm. it's like that chalk and cheese of going. This is where this person's been, and now look at them after having a year of um, a year of being around other people who. Um, they are learning the same stuff together so they're cheering each other on they're inspiring each mm-hmm. other they're pushing each pushing each other's boundaries so that they can then be better and then they get to the other side and go well wait a second i'm actually i'm actually good this sounds great and it, yeah. it's so it's so good to, to see and um that that's there's one of the things in in a different with a different hat on without my aberdeen performing arts hat on i've like i, I remember so part of a brass band family called Granite City Brass took on a community band that was um we probably had like seven people in it and by, and that by the time I finished it right before I, I stepped down we went to Perth Concert Hall played on this on the stage with with like 40 people um, <laughs> and the band was up to 40 people played stuff that they would never have thought they would have played together um, and enjoyed it like the enjoyment on the stage of being able to do it and just being creative with how we did things and did things not necessarily what it said on the music but just mixing it up and making a making a bit a bit of a thing about it and yes. um, they all came off the stage absolutely buzzing um oh, i love that that's yeah one of my high points of of the last few years being able to do i that. think that that stuff is is the stuff that's really important because people People in education tend to get caught up in maths and English and science uh, technology stuff and they, because they assume most of the kids in their class are not going to go and be an artist or a musician or a whatever. But actually, it's not about whether you choose to go and do that as your career. And obviously some of us do. There are three of us sitting right here talking about (laughs) it. Of course we do. But I know loads of people who play music for enjoyment and for social reasons Mm -hmm. and for personal growth and to offset what they do at work because it's stressful and tiring and draining and you know I have friends who who um, conduct bands and things and you know everyone in that band is made up of people who are not musicians in inverted commas not musicians Mm -hmm. they don't do it all day every day but but they do it for the love of doing it and that's why it's so 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 important in a classroom to to expose your your class to that mentality yeah absolutely i think you could even take your student you were working with lewis as an example of that not wanting to you know being quite shy looking at his feet and you could use that then the aspect of music and the community aspect is the is the vessel for change isn't it and once you've gone through that and he was feeling more confident and had a higher sense of self-esteem. But you could think about it as well, Keith, with the idea of somebody who has maybe had a terrible day at work or something, and they're using that vessel again to transform their mood in, in a different way. It's very transformative. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I remember the, the, the thing that sticks in, in my mind is... Um, I was reading an article probably about a year and a half ago about a school that um, I think it was down in England somewhere, um, but they had uh, they had taken so music wasn't on their curriculum. Um, they were at the bottom of all the grading tables. 
And but then somebody had the idea of giving everybody a violin to take home and to learn, similar to what Big Noise does. If it's not yes. what, if it's not Big mm-hmm. Noise, and um, took the violin home, and then actually by just giving these people the chance to learn in a different way, I learn in a fun way, increase their self esteem, increase their happiness levels, increase just confidence. Actually, you saw that school shoot up the grading tables just by doing mm-hmm. and I think that's an example of exactly what creativity in schools and letting pupils um, yes. be creative and do music actually does because you're not just playing music, you're not just playing things, you're teaching people how to read, you're teaching people how to look ahead, plan ahead, mm-hmm. um, you're teaching people how to multitask, to think about different things. I myself, I've got dyspraxia, so people always told me, you're not going to be able to play because you've not got like your coordination's off and it's mm-hmm. like it doesn't even phase me with that um it was something that helped me to overcome it and helped me to find yes. ways to to move past the things that were limiting yes. for me actually overcome that move past and, and just forget about it we've we've spoken about this before in this podcast but we're both dyslexic as well <laughs> and yes, um, yes. it's 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 interesting you know how high the rate of dyspraxia dyslexia begins to become once you look at artists and musicians this rate goes up hugely yeah. that project that you're talking about though there was um another one run uh, a good 10 years back now i think um by uh classical pianist james rhodes and he did a documentary about it and mm-hmm. he went into a failing school and they took time away physically away from maths and english to teach music and he did something similar but he taught them to be a concert band he gave them brass instruments and he, he got all his celebrity pals to donate their instruments they didn't use anymore and everyone <laughs> got a proper expensive instrument and all their grades in maths and english went up yeah even though they spent less yeah. time doing it because mm-hmm. the people came together as a classroom as a band as you know music as a team sport and began to support each other and the bullying dropped and all these other things changed and it, it makes a huge difference to that achievement across the whole curriculum. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes, because once you're achieving in one now, thing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it just, it, it, and you're learning skills. It's not about learning music, is it? It's about learning transferable skills in the same way that, you know, when you go to university, you don't necessarily learn everything about that subject, but you learn coping mechanisms for learning and for multitasking and for dealing with deadlines and you know all those things become applicable to your adult life so it's it's that same process isn't it absolutely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely you spoke a little bit about big noise and i think that that's a really interesting project i know it's not particularly an apa one but um it's uh it would be interesting just to to mention what exactly that is for anyone who doesn't know yeah so um Big noise is so. I, I feel like I'm not the best person to speak about this, but, <laughs> um, but just generally, though, I mean, yeah, of course. So, the, uh, uh, big noise. Um, going to schools, they give um people's violins, they give them instruments to take away, and it's a free thing for for these people so that they can experience music in a way that they wouldn't otherwise do it. Do it, and it, the mm-hmm. the concept of how they do it is very interesting. And it's um, I went to went to their concert and um. It was, it's string based, isn't it? it yeah, the Aberdeen string based at the moment, but I believe they want to start changing that and Garden. add more into it. Um, mm. But it was incredible. You went, you went along, and and what they were playing was basic, but you saw the enjoyment out of what they were doing and and like how they've developed and learned all that stuff so um, 
in such a, a structured way, um, it's really structured, yeah. but clearly does so much for the pupils um, that just helps them to grow. And I, I think it's great. And I think I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they, they intentionally go for um, schools in areas, in deprived areas. Um, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, I think they mm-hmm. do. Yeah. It's it's really interesting this whole I, this whole idea that we're talking about generally here of of the impact it makes on someone's life and the difference that that, that makes because you just never know what impact you're making and you you can have the smallest sort of tiniest role in someone's musical development and not realize how big an impact you've made. I did a um, a few years now actually of of teaching at the Gatherin, which is a kind of week long intense course of of um, sort of chat trad music um that they do here in Aberdeen um out in brewery direction and uh we do something similar there where you do a battle of the bands by the end of the week so everyone picks the subjects they're going to learn and as one of those subjects they have to pick a genre of music and during that genre you put a band together with everyone who chose that that's cool um and I remember at the end of the week they asked students participants they like to call them rather than students because it's a different vibe um you know what what impact had been made and, and who had the biggest impact. And the whole idea is that it's music and sort of not social work, but, but you know, that sort of vibe where there, it's personal development rather than music based. Yeah. Music's just the vehicle. And um, this kid who'd been in my, my class um, for Battle of the Bands and I, I, I didn't teach him anywhere else in the week. I'd seen him for half an hour a day. Um, had written me down as the person who'd had the most impact and all I'd done was push him a bit all I'd done was say okay yeah so you're not a singer but you're going to sing this you can do this like I'm not a singer I'll sing it with you it'll be fine let's do it and I didn't think anything of it at the time absolutely didn't think anything of it and then by the end of the week that's that that's what had the biggest impact you know Mm -hmm. so it's just it's using that vehicle and just being as as aware as you can, but you just never know what, what difference it's making. Yeah. Absolutely. Just a bit really empowering. You'd really empowered him as well to say, yeah, no, I could sing that. And about, yes, empowering people. And he was very much like, well. yeah, and he was very much like the boy that you were talking about where he'd been quite quiet at the beginning of the week and here by the end of the week was him confidently like singing out this rock song in front of an audience, you know, yeah. and really enjoying it. Uh, I love that. It's 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 that that is the thing that that inspires me to keep going. Seeing seeing um, participants that are able to do that, and and you see somebody change, and you see somebody grow, and become somebody who, like, he he just like larger than life character. That that's that's it. When you see, when you see that journey from X to X, it's mm-hmm. just that's that. When that, you can when you can see somebody be their authentic self, like where they're not. They're not overthinking what they're doing or trying to, to be in the right headspace or, or do what they're supposed to do, but they're just enjoying the experience. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's really, really valuable. And that's something that, um, you know, when I'm teaching in a classroom, and I would hope other teachers do too, but maybe it's difficult if you're not a musician, but I'm definitely thinking about that when I'm teaching and trying to be you know, because I have those stories now of those things that have mm. happened before and trying to think about what it is that I'm doing that's getting that from somebody. And you must be the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's so good. I think that's also, it's about being creative in itself, about the way that you 
approach these sort of small challenges or try to empower people in that way. But then, and it's making me think, Luce, a bit about your work as a music development coordinator and how you're creative. I know it's creative work and music, but how you're creative in setting up these projects and, and facilitating them. And I think we've spoken about it in the past as well, being creative about the struggle of letting other people see the benefits of them and getting people involved as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and how you do that, yeah. Yeah, Your, your background um, is actually very similar to mine. I have a graphic design degree as well. Um, <laughs> really? But I wanted to ask you about how you compare or contrast or use together that idea of a visual art and mm. a sound art because I do that a lot like it just is part of the process I don't realize I'm doing it when I do it but I just was be really interested to know if that forms any part of how you do things yeah I suppose like one of the things that people have always said to me is when I'm teaching when I'm doing trying to help people to understand things I tend to actually use visual metaphors to describe things. So, um, yeah, just teaching somebody yesterday and helping them trying to understand singing low. So I just said, well, just imagine you're you're um, using a spade to dig it out and you're supporting the note. That's how that's how that's how you sing low. You dig underneath it, and and mm-hmm. using things like that. There's other ones like when going high. You just imagine you're Superman popping through the clouds. Um, and then different, another one that I use quite a lot is the, is when you when you this is more about brass playing, but I, I've started using it in singing as well. Is actually the notes that you're singing or the notes that you're playing. Imagine like you are the operator from a telephone, like back in the day when there were the telephones, and you're taking the the jack out and you're putting it in up there, and you're taking it out and you're putting it in up there, just to slot the notes well. Um, so yeah, visually, I, like that, I use that all the time. Um, I, like you say, without thinking about it, but it's because yeah. that's how my brain works and that's how I understand yeah, things. Very how my brain works too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's really easy to, rather than trying to explain, like you need to use your diaphragm. Okay, let's imagine a picture. Just do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with explaining something as it is. You know, I, I, I have really, really young kids who can, who can read music. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they're reading proper proper music that hasn't been edited because they can, and that's great. But I also don't think there's anything wrong if there's a way of getting there to understand it to then go back and say, and that's why it looks like this. Yeah. You know, like if if you can, you know, find mm-hmm. that's creative teaching, isn't it? Finding yeah. fifteen different ways to say the same thing mm-hmm. so that you can find the one the person you're talking to is going to understand. Exactly. And then the other fourteen make sense as soon as they get that one that makes you know that then they can understand why you said the other fifteen things. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the images start, even just when you were saying those things, Luce, I'm imagining, you know, somebody with a spade and then Superman, and then the, you're, the images all start conjuring up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. In people's mind. Mm-hmm. And music's physical. It has a physical effect on you. And, I, you know, I definitely remember <laughs> conducting choir. I can't even remember what song it was, but there was, there was some song that, that had some little note that popped. And so... You know, I must have been moving when that note <laughs> happened. And I remember the entire choir just used to mirror it back to me. And I don't even know if they knew oh, they were yes. doing it. Yeah. But they would mm-hmm. sing and get to that note and the whole choir would be on tiptoes just, just for that one. Yeah. And yeah. then back down again. You know, it's just <laughs> it's such a physical thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
I think that that's the thing, like it, as well as visual and physical, actually combining that. So um, I remember there was like, what were we doing? We were doing a song, um, and we were on the music hall stage having a practice beforehand, and it was just, it was just there was something about it that just wasn't sitting. And I'm like, right, I can't, I cannot communicate this to these people, to to this choir without doing something. So I just got them to like mimic me conducting and try to get the beat. I'm like, right, do back to me what I am doing and you will get this. And it was amazing. Just that one thing of, of them just starting to conduct like that, mimic it back to me that actually then that set a pulse in them in, inside of them that then mm-hmm. they were able to keep that without without having to think too much about it. Yeah, it's great. Oh, absolutely. Great. I think that Keith and I all the time are saying, let's do this, but try and, you know, keep your feet with the beat at the same time. <laughs> well, before we start, it's just trying to, yeah, embody that sense of pulse, yes, before starting. It's a good idea. I think it's really interesting, um, you know, talking to people in, in this podcast that we've been doing, it just highlights even more the things we've all learned by being musicians in our in our earlier lives because it's really easy to strike up a conversation and find all these things that you have in common with these other people yeah. because mm-hmm. you've had that shared experience and I think that in itself is a really great lesson for a teacher in a class to realize that you know despite the fact that we we haven't got to know each other really well before talking to each other like this yeah. there's such a lot of ground that you can connect on straight away yeah absolutely mm-hmm. amazing so good is that yeah. i think that that's oh sorry no on you go that's what they say music is a universal language it connects people in ways that like we just can't really understand like psychologically mm-hmm. it just connects people mm-hmm. it's just one of these things and it's um as you say universal it doesn't matter you know where you come from or or you know what your background actually is and and people will be doing it without realizing that they're doing it they're they'll be you know if they don't play music they'll be listening to music they'll be tapping they'll be dancing without realizing that they actually know a bunch of the things that we know yeah they just don't know they know them <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and i think that that's why you know it's it's so important for for people who are who are doing what we're doing in our jobs to try and encourage people who who aren't who don't think of themselves as musical or don't think of themselves as artistic to try and bring that into their classroom so i wondered if you had any tips for someone who thinks that who thinks they're not musical or who thinks they're not particularly creative about how they can bring that into their classroom what can they change in you know their their own practice or in their own thought process to encourage the kids in their class to be expressive mm. Um, I think one of the things that I always get stuck on is I always try and overthink it, right? And that's that's potentially not very helpful to just hear me say, don't overthink it. But um, like, I always find that it's when I'm in the, the, my best ideas for helping people engage are the things that I just think about mm-hmm. that, that I'm like, this doesn't actually seem like music at all. Or I'm trying to think. There's an example that I can that I can give, um, that you just that you just do right, and it it seems really simple. Um, it's engaging with your child brain a bit, isn't it? I, I yeah. always find that when yeah. I'm in a classroom and I've overthought this lesson, and I've designed it over and over and over, and I've edited it down, and I've been that like overcritical creative person that yeah. I am, and and streamlined it down to this thing I'm going to do, and then the kids come in and have 15 better ideas in the first three seconds. Yeah, and. Yeah. 
I think that, that that would be the advice I would give. I would be saying, you know, listen to your class because they've probably got a better idea of what's creative than you are. Yeah. You know, rolling around in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Even I think, taking... Oh, sorry, there's... No, uh, no, no. Uh, well, yeah, I think um, one of the things as well is actually as much as um, we can get bored of doing the same things over and over again, actually some of the, the really foundational things are really important and actually the things that you think you're getting bored of doing the kids are probably not getting that bored of and actually if you can take a simple concept like let's do it let's just clap a beat let's clap a beat let's use our body to do it and come up with different ways to make that just to develop that sometimes that is much more value valuable than coming up with this brand new genius idea Mm -hmm. um, of, of doing it actually start simple and develop from the bottom up yeah, that's actually that's exactly what I was about to oh, really? say, Lewis. I was going to say that you're speaking about keeping the beat. How yeah. simply that could turn into, and yeah. you know, asking a class of children, you'll have people keeping the beat on their nose and yeah. on their ear, you know, and it's yeah, something like that is a simple idea, but can grow so quickly and comes from them as well, which yeah. I think also gives them that empowerment and then makes them yeah very engaged in really it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing, the other tip that I would give for anyone that's that's listening is um, to use music to teach other things. Like I, I definitely like I'm not a maths tutor, but I, I will freely admit I'm not great at maths. It's not my thing. Um, but I will use music to teach maths because it's fractions. So yeah, um, I will do things like balance equations, but using notes um, because I know that for me, as someone who's dyslexic numbers are like a blind spot for me i can't do sudoku but if you put the musical notes in in place of the numbers i'll be able to solve it and it's yeah. just a brain block thing it's not it's not because there's no maths involved in sudoku you're only counting to nine but it just you know it just doesn't make sense in my brain i just can't do it but yeah. um you know if you apply it as music sometimes you'll just reach different people you'll reach someone whose mm-hmm. brain is too busy being creative is caught up in that they couldn't get the analytical yeah yeah exactly i know and it like even with that as well there's there's so much stuff with music theory and like um, even time signatures right nobody ever told me that like time signature basically division and like uh, one day it just clicked and then whenever i started doing division i just looked at time signatures <laughs> that's so yeah. good yeah completely yeah it's 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 just um using it in a creative way isn't it and I, mm-hmm. I guess the other the other thing that I would do um is just use music in the classroom even if you're not learning music but like if you're if you're trying to get into a certain headspace for something then I would maybe have the same playlist playing when we were trying to do that so you know if we're going to do some difficult maths lesson then maybe I do have this sort of soundscapey thing that we always play that just gets our brains in the right yeah. space to do that and I think that's a mm-hmm. way that's really easily applicable in a classroom if you don't feel like you're creative if you don't feel like you're musical mm-hmm. um, you can still apply some music made by someone else that yeah. that can make your classroom feel more creative for the people experiencing it yeah absolutely that's, good. that's just what we all do all the time you know oh, I'll put mm-hmm. this piece of music on to get ready for a night out. I'll put this on because we're going to be having a nice meal or we'll, yeah. we're all creating those kind of atmospheres for ourselves all the time. So and adver- think, yeah. advertisers do it to us all the time. We just don't know they did it. If it worked well, we didn't see it happen. We didn't hear it happen. But you mm-hmm. can apply that in your own classroom too. Yeah. 
Yes. So, other than that, I think it's been just a really nice, casual conversation, but I think we've reached some really interesting points in, in there that are really useful for someone to take away. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that, that you've got in your bag of tricks that you can share with us before we kind of head off? Ooh, um, asking you to reveal your secrets now, you see. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because you just, there's so much that you just do without really thinking about it, and without and, and you'll have a have a box for it, right? And then when that box mm-hmm. comes out, um, that's what you use. Um, I don't know. I think for for me, I think one of the biggest things that I've that that has impacted me is actually just having just realizing that sometimes just turning music into games turning things like when we're like doing warm-ups is one of my the funnest things that i can ever do with like i love doing the warm-ups for the choir i love doing warm-ups when we're doing um doing workshops and stuff because actually it's just it just lets me and um, lets the kids and, and the participants have a, a, like that level of um freedom and you're almost teaching them stuff but they don't realize you're teaching them and the, their guards mm-hmm. down a little bit because so they're learning things that they wouldn't otherwise learn so like so if, um i play mind games with the choir and do, do do things that make them think a lot and then they realize by the time they've got to the end of it uh, you can see that they're a lot they're a lot quicker with how they're how they're doing things and picking things up because you've already warmed up this brain bit thing that like the cogs in there that yeah. otherwise we didn't and it's, i suppose it's just uh, for me it's it's just saying to people like i've already said but in a different way now like don't I, I think just don't make it too serious. Like music doesn't music isn't serious. Well, music can be serious, but like I don't think in terms of learning music, in terms of being doing community music, mm-hmm. I think the funner the better. The less intense the better. The more that you can let people's walls down and just have fun with them, the more they're going to take in. And it's so much easier to be fun doing music than it is to be doing physics. For instance, <laughs> yeah. so you know it, it, it's yeah it should be it should be I mean you should you should make all your lessons fun if you can but yeah music's definitely one that you if you're not if it's not fun you're not doing it right surely. yeah well, exactly <laughs> Lewis do you think really you um, could share one of your favorite warm ups with us Ooh, um, <laughs> yeah so or, one of, so one of, I wonder if I should go and quickly grab my guitar and do a quick do you want me to do that. Yeah, go for it. Yes, definitely. Cool. Right, so um, (laughs) here we go. So this is one of the ones I've started doing with choir um, recently, and it's really simple. This is what I was saying earlier about start with where people know like a tune. It's something that they know really well. So this one is Oh, the Grand Old Duke of York. So hang on. (laughs) Oh, the Grand Old Duke of York. He had 10,000 men He marched them up to the top of the hill And he marched them down again And when they were up, they were up And when they were down, they were down And when they were only halfway up They were neither up nor down Right, really simple, starting simple And then what you do is you go, right, so we're not going to sing up Sing everything else, just don't sing the word up And one, two, three Oh, the grand old Duke of York he had 10,000 men He marched them to the top of the hill And he marched them down again And then you go through that yes. And then once you get to the end of that You turn it around and you go We're not going to sing down So you go through that 
and then you you turn you you swap up and down round. So, oh goodness! And then you and then you take it fast. So <laughs> we're gonna go one, two, three. Oh, a grand old Duke of York. He had ten thousand men. He marched them down to the top of the hill. He marched them up again. And when they were down, they were down. And when they were up, they were up. And when they were only halfway down, they were neither down nor up. There you go. Oh, brilliant. Lewis, you practiced that. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's very tricky. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It's been I lovely know. to talk to you. Yeah. And I think it's been a really um, awesome way to demonstrate the impact of music because there's so much in common immediately that we could find like that. Yes. I think it just goes to show exactly what we've just been talking about. Exactly. It's great. Yeah, yes. thanks for having me. It's been good to be here. Oh, thank you so much, Lewis. It's brilliant. Thank you to Lewis for joining us and thank you for listening. And if there's one thing that we've learnt, it's never to underestimate the impact the creative arts can have. See you next time. Thank you.